and welcome to the Ski Racing Podcast with me, Ed Drake. Ben and Marcel are here to help discuss what was an action-packed weekend for the men in Sabah, Hinterglem, and the women were racing in Yasna. Brand new event to the World Cup. Just before we get going, gentlemen, how are you? All good, all good. A little bit disappointed with my picks this weekend. Nowhere near oh, as good as last weekend. I mean, that brings us quite nicely onto it. Um, yeah. Tricky weekend, I think, of uh, of picks for people. Marcel, annoyingly, you still managed to get ten points. You picked two winners. Oh, annoying. So yeah, I've I managed to pick up nine points. Uh, so you've extended to eleven points in front of me, Ben. You uh, only got four points. Four Ooh. points. <laughs> Jamie Aldridge still leads the league. Those of you that are listening. Give us a uh, drop us a little message on Instagram or whatever, and uh, let us know who you're fighting with in terms of your own miniature leagues within our league and who your bragging rights are over. Quite interesting to see if there's as much needling going on in your circles as in ours. Um, also, please, if you get a second, give us a like, give us a share, rate us wherever you're downloading your podcast from. Just helps us out a bit, which would be great. Shall we crack on straight away into the women's giant slalom? Vlahova managing to pick up a win, her first win in uh, Yasna, home, home ski slope. Robinson back on the podium, which seems like an age since she was last there. And Schifrin, who had a few things to say about only being in third place. Marcel, you, you had a quite a good view on this one. Well, it was quite interesting, wasn't it? Um, you, would, you would think... Well, you never hear her complain about anything. I mean, she hasn't complained, but she was quite... She well, I think quite she a, did complain. Well, yeah, she had quite a strong opinion on it, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, I feel like she has backtracked a bit now on social media. But I, like, honestly, in, in the in the heat of the minute, I get that. Like, I would be bloody pissed off as well if if it's not necessary to stop the race for about two hours. Well, it wasn't two hours, but quite a long time. <laughs> Yours and Schifrin's stop clocks the same, was it? Yeah, probably about right. No, but I get it. I, I, as a racer, I get it. I would be, I would be bloody annoyed about it. Ben, what it, about you? What's your take? At the time watching it, I just thought this has taken longer than usual to fix a broken gate. That that was about it. Nothing really much more crossed my mind at the time. But then seeing Schifrin's comments afterwards does make it seem like it did really get to her, which when you're the level that she's at, she must have been held in the start gate a hundred times in, in her career for all sorts of reasons, whether it is crashes, course repair or anything else. So I was really surprised that she let it affect her that much. And I don't know whether that's a kind of reflection of her own kind of confidence. She hasn't been brilliant second run so far this year, whether just maybe she got herself into the zone and that that two minute break or whatever it was just just put her off enough it's very like Marcel said it's unlike her to complain um and she's gone to no it's, since it's, she made the first statements to say well, you know I don't want to take anything away from Blahova skiing but 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 the, <laughs> the thing is like right if it, if it would happen in I don't know somewhere in Italy no one but it's it just a bit it's just a bit bitter because it's in Slovakia and Vlahova is leading. What do you guys like, think, though? Do you do you think? Do you think do you, they did it on purpose? Do you, any of you think? I've, I I've think got my did. opinion, but of course they did. You think they did? Yeah, I, I mean, they, I, they, no, they, they they maybe didn't do it on purpose, like purposely 
hindering Schifrin to win. But obviously they they were like really happy about Blahova and they just took a bit more of their time than they should be because it's not it's not rocket science to change a gate and I'm pretty straightforward about that actually. I had a little I had a little look at um I watched it back on replay. So I was trying to I went through sort of a bit of a cycle of it. I thought at the very beginning, I was like, this is not on. Those pesky Slovakians are playing underhand tactics here. Uh, and then I kind of, I, I looked, I watched it back as I was doing some of the editing for this ski racing podcast extra, um, the YouTube show. And I was looking back. So the gate that broke that they were replacing, it didn't snap. So it wasn't, I don't think it was that clear in first glance that it was a broken gate. So I don't think you see that straight away. If the gate's in half, they know that they need a new gate in there pronto because it's a broken gate. The fact is it half broken, but it was still on. So it was a sort of, you know, a, a bit of a 160 degrees or something, you know, something stupid, you know, basically it was a bit, it was half broken. So then, so I think it took a while to call. And then I did see, so when the person arrived with the new gate and the new flag, they were rushing to put that gate in. And then also you have the start interval beep. So you still have to go on the interval. So it's not like you can go, oh, it's fixed. If it's fixed, once that interval sort of cycle started, you still have to wait for the next beep cycle, which is on the second run there. It's, what is it, a minute, th a minute 20 or something? Or I think the interval is something like that. So all of a sudden, you, you know, if you've just missed an interval beat, that's a minute 20 that you have to wait irrespective if the course is ready or not. So I, I don't actually think that it was anything underhand, which is a bit not like me. I kind of, I love a good little <laughs> conspiracy. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Anybody got anything? Can, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't want to like say, oh, they definitely did or, or didn't either way, because we really don't know. But it was, like I said, my first thought at the time was this is taking longer than normal or than I would normally expect for a World Cup game mm. change but you know like Schifrin's good enough to to put that out of her mind like I said she must have been stopped in the start a hundred times in her career I think that's the bottom line isn't it Ben essentially she's won was it that was her 69th win in the slalom wasn't it so if anybody can deal with this sort of stuff surely it's the one of the greatest ski races of all time yeah, like you don't. Yeah, it was it was a bit out of character for her to call the organisers or whoever it was fixing the gate unprofessional. Um, that's that's very not Michaela Schifrin like. So a lot of it was probably being asked something straight after the the medal ceremony and going straight into press and kind of when you're still a bit fired up about something. We've all had races where you think something's gone against you that's not really anything to do with anyone, but you feel like you're hard done by. And, and maybe that's just what happened for her yesterday. It was just a bit unfortunate that it immediately hit the press as a, someone's really angry about this. It's, all, it's always going to be a headline, isn't it, though, when Michaela Schifrin talks, says anything. You it's know, a pretty big headline when she comes third in a race instead of winning it. So <laughs> coming third and then giving a, a slightly controversial interview is like out of this world news for ski press. I, I, I think you're right, though. If, if it had been a couple of minutes longer you know half an hour let's say after the race I don't think she would have said it it's probably just a bit of heat of the moment said it and then gone or oh, maybe shouldn't have said it but on the bright side I mean it makes it a bit more spicy which is also quite nice isn't it yeah I love it I think you know, I mean, for us, I mean, it's brilliant <laughs> I mean it can't be always straightforward I mean obviously it's so good that some people well show their emotions I mean nothing taking away from Jasna because I thought those races were really were really good and like well organized and everything 
but hey, just give it a bit space. I mean, that's a bit of trash talk, a bit this and that. I think that's that's quite fun. Yeah, and I mean, the hill wasn't providing the spice, was it? Let's be frank. It wasn't the most um, <laughs> exciting of race. I mean, I think the event in itself was really good. You know, the preparation on the piece looked excellent. Uh, the amount of space looked brilliant. Just the piece itself seemed a little tame. So thankfully, we had something spicy, like you say, to talk about. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. I mean, I've been skiing there and it's it's always really well organized, but it's not the most challenging of hills. Um, <laughs> but on the bright side, I'm really happy for Alice Robinson. Um, good. She had good form on the World Champs and could take it into the next race. So that that's really amazing for her. And you said she wasn't on the podium for ages, but I mean, she's only 19 years old, so it's not that age. <laughs> no, no, no. But I, I just meant in terms of, you know, at the beginning of the season, she was something, you know, especially after the performances of last year uh, and then to come into this season where it's, it's hard because she's so young. But to say, uh, maybe the, my wording isn't going to be right, but a bit underwhelmed with her season. I think I, I believe that's fair to say because she's so good and she hadn't shown it this year. Uh, and then to show, especially that second round, she skied it really deep. She took it aggressive. She was very clean. Uh, and that's what we wanted to see from her all year long, but she's just sort of tripped up over herself almost in the GSs earlier on. But I am really pleased to see her back there. And it's just a nice to have another name. Look, Bassino, Schifrin, Robinson, uh, Brianoni hasn't brought it this season, but you've got Goot, Gissin, what, um, you know, th those sort of ladies is a really strong group and I think those have actually been dragged along by Schifrin and Vlahova their sort of domination has forced everybody to go you know better step up yeah and that performance uh from Robinson was was really good like we, I think we talked about it a bit last week in terms of as the season's coming to a close you, you kind of need things to tell you you're going in the right direction for next season and, and that performance will definitely kind of build her confidence on whatever she's been working on because it has been a bit of a struggle this year. Um, but she's shown in the last couple of races that she's still exactly as talented uh, and, you know, brilliant as we all thought she was at the start of the year. But, you know, when you're, when you're younger, that kind of consistency doesn't just appear unless you're Michaela Schifrin. Yeah, exactly. Lara Goot Barami dropped the ball a little bit in the GS. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I was, uh, intrigued to see how uh, this weekend panned out. Obviously, we'll, we'll get onto the slalom, but with Lahova not picking up maximum points, I thought maybe she was going to drop the ball, but she really pulled it back with that 100 points. And I just didn't see Geet Brahmi skiing that slowly off off the back of what we've seen the last three weeks. She just presumed she'd be there or thereabouts and just didn't look like she'd lost a bit of snap uh, in her turns, like a little bit of the. I mean, maybe it's her that's getting. Gone. Maybe it's her that's. We talked about Vlahova having tired legs, but maybe a home race has been the thing that's pulled Vlahova up. Uh, and Lara Gutbarami just seems like, you know, maybe she'd lost the snap. Just, you know, she's had a hectic schedule. Lots of lots of time skiing, winning, interviewing, all of that sort of stuff. Lots of lots of time collecting checks as well, I might add. Um, but uh, she's, um, you know, I think going into this weekend with the form that Vlahova was in, and the form that Goot was in, I think you think, you know, it was a 50-50 shot of who was going to take the overall. But after that weekend, Lara Goot Barami now only has a 36-point lead. We're about to go into double slalom for the ladies. So obviously, Goot's not picking up any points there before we then go into finals where it could be anybody's game. But, you know, there's a couple of hundred points there 
you know, do you see Vlahova off the podium really in those both slaloms? Unlikely. So all of a sudden it's advantage Vlahova now. It's going to be a case of who's got the most energy come World Cup finals yeah. and who's going to do the most number of disciplines because you can imagine Vlahova throwing on the downhill skis to try and get anything in the final week. Um, you know, she's picked you see- up legit good results in super g but she, you wouldn't you wouldn't put it past her to just say you know what i'm just gonna load up on red bull and just do every single race this week marcel do you th- do you see lara Goot doing the same chucking on some slalom skis over in Are? no i don't think she will do that no. um i don't think she will she's probably hoping for some covid in, in Ore, something like a, <laughs> a bit of a cancellation because <laughs> i think i mean realistically if you look at the schedule like it's it should be Vlahovas for now um because she will be maybe picking up, in worst case scenario, 100 points. And then she's 70 ahead. And then they basically have the same amount of race. Then she has one more race at the finals as well. So it's, it's going to be very challenging for, for Good to pick that up. But on the, on the other hand, I mean, if Vlahova has like one bad race and a good race, everything is still open. Yeah. But then... If well, you straddle. Look- I mean, we're talking you know, 60, yeah. 70 turns of millimeter accuracy pressure on who knows but then also in the finals and and that's what's going to be really interesting for the men's race as well it's it's a very steep track it's very technical it's certainly not a downhill for a downhiller um and not a nor a super g for a speed skier so it's going to be it's going to be something that Blahova will probably have well have an advantage in terms of what she it, can usually do in a downhill. This is um, not Lara a glidey track, you mean? No, Lara Good will be good there as well because she comes from GS, but it will also be something for, for Flahova there because it's technical. really, really challenging. I just like that it's coming down to effectively finals week. That's that's what you want for as many of the events as possible. Uh, but one of the globes that isn't going to be up for grabs come finals week is the women's GS globe. Unfortunately, Tessa let me down big this weekend uh, <laughs> with her performance in the, in the GS. She was, she was so far back in the end that uh, Bacino coming forth was enough for her to uh, wrap up the, wrap up the GS globe, which is, which is pretty massive when you think of when she first kind of jumped onto the radar last year, probably with her maiden victory to think she'd then win the globe the next year is really impressive. Yeah. Do you think, do you think that, she has become more calculating in terms of like the end of the season, why we've not seen, because, you know, the beginning of the season, it was win, 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 win. Uh, and then, you know, the last few GSs, two or three, if you include world champs, she's not dominated because she was dominating, wasn't she? So do, do you think that it's a calculation in terms of like, I'm picking up, I just need to pick up some big points, no DNFs, take the globe because it was sort of so close? Yeah, maybe she had that one. DNF that was really unexpected when she'd won like three in a row or podiumed four in a row or something along those lines. And then she had an out of nowhere DNF and that might've just kind of not shaken her up a bit, but just because Tess has been so consistent, I think apart from this weekend, the only time Tessa had been kind of out of the mix was in Courchevel where she had a huge mistake and came 13th. So she probably realized Tess was still there or thereabouts and she couldn't really afford another DNF. Uh, and then there's then been more consistent. But also, like you say, if you've got R- Robinson coming back to form, uh, Schifrin getting back to her old self in GS and, and Vlahova finding a bit of form in GS, you know, you can't you can't win all of them when these these other women are showing their best skiing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Shall we move on to the men's Super G from the Sunday? Uh, what a race that was over in Selbach, Hinterglem. Uh, Kriegmeier 
continued some excellent form, managing to get thirds. Mathieu Bellet picked up his first ever podium in second place and Odomat crushed it. Uh, taking the win by a substantial 0.6 of a second. Uh, Marcel, Austrian ski racing fan, ski race in Austria. They and which really he's, the, he's, the, he's the number one Swiss ski racing fan, Marcel. He's picking Swiss people left, right, and centre. <laughs> I was about to say that the piste was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. It was like, I mean, the conditions were on point, weren't they? And considering that the racetrack isn't super exciting i thought that super she was brilliant <laughs> yeah that set the set i mean that set was brilliant. funny um well done to the french guy and i'm sure kostelich is giving him a heads up as well um quite, <laughs> quite, a, few, quite a few dnfs on that one um that but top no, section was brilliant wasn't it that sort of really tricky right foot sort of coming over the brow yeah it was tough and then also it was so interesting to see you have the top section with that really hard turn then you have those couple gliding turns and then you have those two big rolls in the middle part and people just wouldn't get it right. They would not get it right. If you have one, two, three, fair play. But if you ski down with bib 10 and you know you should actually just go straight over the over the, the roller, everyone does it, they're quick. Yeah. And people still going seven meters to the left. I mean, what's going on? Yeah, well, Pant Pantro certainly fell into that gap, didn't he? Was so yeah. wide on there. And then you're... And then- it was quite interesting. I'm not sure if it was by design or what, but the speed gun was literally just after there. So you could see, uh, I think Pantro was 10 kilometers an hour slower than Kriechmeier through that yeah. flat section after that roller. I think the Austrians, I think they were the only team that nailed that roller. Every single one of them was seemingly on. Except for Max France. <laughs> Was he? Did it? Did, 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 did <laughs> he, he go? I don't think he didn't get to the roller, did he? he yeah, he did, but he—he he, oh, um, that was where he, he messed he, up. He went out on that next gate, but oh, did he? Okay, right. But you That's know what? Right. The rest, the rest I'll, I'll really good. Like, <laughs> it looked so easy when Myers to get over it and Kriegmeier, and just quickly to Pinter. I mean, it's a bit unfortunate having bib number one because I thought the rest was actually pretty pretty good from him. Um, he but he missed those two rollers, and you can't if you're ten kilometers behind, like you will never get that speed back. Um, yeah. And that's a bit unfortunate for him. Yeah, 15th place for him means that, uh, I mean, he's still by far the favourite, obviously with the, with an extra slalom going in there, but it's not quite as comfortable as I th think he would like at this point in the season. I mean, I think in the next races in Kranzkogor are going to be crucial. If and they're a good hill a... for him as well, aren't they? Really technical hill. Yeah, I mean, if he's if he's ahead of Odermatt and GS and, and if he has a decent slalom, it's a good advantage, but with the form that Odermatt has right now. I mean, he can win the downhill and a Super G. And as I said, it's very, very tricky in Lenzerheide. And that's just going to be right down Odermatt's street. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Pinter on that downhill as well, to be honest, Picking if he has to. Ben, Bailey, you're a big French fan. Yes, what a run. I mean, there was loads of performances from, they were from brilliant. It was numbers. brilliant, wasn't it? It was no yeah. no point did you go, the race is over. You know, downhill, we'll talk about later, but downhill, you know, you have your first few guys that go down and it's, you know, the, the big positions are, are over with. But this Super G, we're coming in from everywhere. I thought it was really good. It was. And Ethan, the, I mean, you know, we're talking about um, Bailey doing it, but uh, Raphael Hasser from, from 30-odd and Mauricio from 40 were, were fourth and fifth. So they were so close. And I was just I'm sitting there. It's one of the 
like you said, normally like some of the speed events, once you get past 20 odd, you're like, okay, well. 20, but I'm... past 10 most of the time. Yeah, I was being generous. Um, <laughs> normally you get past those those first few and you're like, okay, well, no one's hitting the podium from here. Let's see who can do a PB or something. Whereas this was just, there were people coming down through three splits in front of Odomat. And I was like, are we going to get someone winning from the 30s or 40s? This is going to be awesome. Yeah. But it was, yeah, it was good that you could stay gripped to the action the entire time. Uh, and you know the conditions made it so that it was a, a, the type of race you want where you know it's not necessarily fair for everyone but equal enough that if you're starting in the 30s you don't think like well you know see if I can get it inside the 20 and that'll do and the Super G title isn't done and dusted just yet um, Creekmaster still holds a pretty substantial lead it's going to take a uh, a DNF in in reality, most probably for for Kriegmeier to be overhauled by Odomat, who's in second place. But um, another title going down to the wire, like you said a minute ago, Ben. So good to see. It is, and uh, it was it's, at times quite funny listening to people trying to do the uh, the maths on air live as 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 and when every time someone comes in front of someone else or someone drops down a place, they're like, "Now has he got the go-? no? No, he hasn't got it yet." <laughs> <laughs> Going to be another, another week yet, but I was that each time someone came in between Odomat and Pantro, I was thinking this could be interesting. The further and further down Pantro was going, I was like, this is making the last few races extra spicy for the for the overall for the men. <laughs> no, I, I thought the same thing. Um, it was, uh, I mean, think about it. Marco Odomat is 23 years old and he can win potentially win the GS title which will obviously we will know after Kranzkogora if he's in the mix, Super G and overall at home. I mean, what, what better could happen to you, you know? Like yeah. skiing on a Swiss ski brand as well, which is something I think we should point out sometimes because no one else is skiing on it. Like it's only him basically. Which they've, is, got some uh, good, they've got some really good bases. I just, they just don't seem to, I don't know they don't, whether it's the budget or the sort of capacity to, to sort of build loads of skis and i mean i don't really know but you look at the ski cross side of things stokely are, you know there's loads of good people on stokely skis which doesn't seem to cut across the world cup maybe i don't know what's yeah, the, if he wins the overall what's the likelihood of him being uh, stokely being able to retain his services for another season if he i mean they're the well overall. expensive skis so you know maybe they could be all right they are bloody expensive those skis <laughs> anything to add on the super g before we go back to the ladies Johan Clary. I oh, mean, yeah, go for it, Ben. Go on. I mean, as if the French haven't been crazy enough with Mousseton pulling his kind of backflip 360 or whatever it was uh, in, in the World Champs, Clary looked to attempt something similar. I couldn't quite work out what it was he did, but he was going backwards at a very high speed through the air. And I thought he'd done himself a serious injury when he went down. It looked like his knee had buckled, but he managed to ski away from it. But just... It looked nasty though, that knee, like in the slow motion, that is like a do your knee type of motion, isn't it? And somehow he managed to ski away. I haven't seen if he's um, sort of suffering any ill effects from it, but the fact that you can ski away from something like that. The French and... maybe doing some freestyle training along the side of their downhills and super Gs. At his age as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if I tried to do anything like that, my legs would fall off, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's because you're sitting on the sofa watching ski racing all the time. You, instead that's of true. Like rather than actually doing it yeah <laughs> cheers myself for that Pleasure. <laughs> reminder <laughs> um let's head back over to yasna for the uh, women's slalom 
Holdner back on the podium. Seems like a long time since we've had her on the podium. Still, that elusive slalom World Cup win is evading her. Uh, she was half a second off. Vlahova was in second after leading the first run, 0.34 back. Michaela Schifrin, I think that's her first slalom win of the season. I think. It was Ben furiously Marcel, while Ben is fact-checking my uh, statement, um, what did you make of it? I thought it was a brilliant race. I mean, Schifrin, she was, she was skiing really well. And she was that, I thought, was really much her old self. Um, and taking the win away from Lahova at home is probably, that was probably um, a, a good thing for her self-confidence as well. And then holding her on the third, well... I'm really th- I really want to know what goes through her head when she's going through the finish and she's like obviously she was she had one but then people progressively carving down yeah. and pushing you <laughs> off the first round but not again for god's sake I mean I honestly feel so sorry for her. I just wish she would get th- that win like I just wish yeah. she would it's so she- it's so frustrating like how many times 25 times now something stupid I can't even I've lost count I mean she's that, 36 honest- podiums or something she's up to now if yeah, that's honestly stupid, it's not stupid. She is not stupid, but it is the whole situation yeah, that... <laughs> is stupid. I mean, imagine. Oh God, Wendy, right. give us a win. I'm gonna put my money on her in in Lancer Heide. I think she's gonna win that race. Yeah, I, I would be perfectly happy if my career ski total yeah exactly 36 podiums and zero wins i'd be like you know what i'm still good um, and <laughs> fact check incorrect uh michaela wadden in flacow oh there you go oh, it's close but, uh, but nearly all of the other ones all uh, of them was picked up <laughs> a tiny a tiny asterisk in there just for that flacow one sneaky sneaky flacow but there looked to be an aggression in Schifrin in gs Anslan this weekend that has, she hasn't been able to sustain a lot of this season. So I was really happy with the skiing I saw in that solemn. I was a bit gutted for Vlahova not to get that win on home snow on the first day, which made it even better that she tied it up on the second day. Um, but yeah, that was it was it was kind of almost vintage Schifrin winning both runs. Ben, I've got another fact check for you. Oh. Is is that the first World Cup slalom of the season that um Leonsberger hasn't been on the podium for? That one is, yeah. That's that true. Is, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, well, I'm not going to go and check it because that was what I was going to say as well. Oh. So just claim it as a, as a true statement. And I was like, I think that might have been me cursing her, uh, picking her for the slalom. I was like, well, it's basically nailed on points because she hasn't come off the podium all season. <laughs> it's like Crazy um, Johnson is, is Ed and your Leonsberger is yours. Mine's just anyone I pick. <laughs> yeah, basically. Wally, Wally's back cursing you again. She's down in 10th in the GS. It was worth it for the one time she won. <laughs> uh, also, Charlie Guest picking up some points, which was nice. Career best, was it? 23rd? Very, very tidy top half of that second run. Uh, and then I think a couple of, one small error in the middle, and that just knocked her confidence for those final that final sort of run in that into the finish, which was a shame. But a good steps in the right direction. One thing, actually, before I forget... Um, Nina O'Brien in the GS, sorry to re- rewind slightly, but I've just remembered. Um, Marcel, first of you picked her, so you you messed with her chances. But um, how frustrating must it be like for her? Because she's skiing so well, just a little bit too heavy-handed on that inside ski, because it, it happened a couple of times uh, before 
it actually bit her in the backside and that was that was her day done yeah, but it's a thin line isn't it this the inside ski well you have to use it because that's quick but if you use it too much well that's not going to happen and then it's not going to get you to the finish line but i'm 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 a big fan of her actually i think she she might be one of my new favorite racers and i'm hoping that she can that she can well bring it down into the finish anytime well, she's soon. hoping that you that you forget her name i think <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but i think the the north americans generally the americans and the canadians have, have been fun this year uh or certainly have from from my side uh with with some of the the, the, the skiing that's been on show and also like just kind of i think they've, they've had a really good time team spirit being over in Europe for the season it's been it's been really fun yeah it has been quite it has been good it's not, nice to see that sort of fresh group of youngsters and it seems like you know Maltzen and and O'Brien are sort of leading the charge with that sort of second you know sort of behind Schifrin if you like sort of group um but back to Charlie Guest sorry in, in case anybody wanted to bring something in before we moved on I mean it's always great to get a PV right I mean she might have not the second run obviously had a couple of small mistakes but still a, a PV is amazing and, and she can build her confidence in that. So I think that's something really important to take away for the next two slaloms. Yeah, and that's that's the thing with, with those two slaloms coming up in RA and, you know, well, she probably won't qualify for World Cup finals, but two slaloms in a row off the back of your best result of your life is, you know, you want to keep that momentum going. So that's really, really good for her. So let's hope all the COVID stays clear and she can get up to Switzerland and crush it. Yeah. Certainly, certainly nice to get a good result towards the end of the season. Makes those summer months a little bit easier, doesn't it? When you're beasting yourselves. Men's downhill. What do you guys make of it? The, the one. The, the one, one that we got. Yeah, a bit annoying, obviously, for Paris. Stupid, I'm sure he's... Stupid Friday. Stupid weather. Did you get? Did you have a pick that didn't come in on the Friday then? No, I just get really mad at weather. You know what I'm like? <laughs> <laughs> Whenever ski races don't happen, I get really, really angry. No, Marcel had picked Paris, but he'd picked him for the second downhill, not the first one. Oh, um, I know, I'm gutted about that, actually. Gutting. Oh, no. I feel, really, feel really bad for you. Oh, no, you don't. <laughs> you, you really don't, and I know you don't. <laughs> that would have brought me a couple of good points. Fuck's sake. forgot about that. <laughs> the, uh, the the downhill was, was good. It was, again, Kriegmeier showing off his skills. Marcel, how much did the Austrians get to train on this resort? A lot of made on telly that it was like their personal speed training base, so it would be laughable yeah. if anyone other than an Austrian won. And Kriegmeier just said, okay, okay, cool. I mean, you know what it is. And I'm, I actually, I think I said it on our group chat as well. Like that is a big advantage, not just for this race, but in general, because I think Salbach is such a perfect training slope. You have like all those steeps and, and quick and the older rollers, etc., and you barely get that anywhere. And specifically for like almost a two-minute run, you cut you you can't train that anywhere in the world. Maybe in, in America, in, in um, where the Americans have their training facilities. But having having something like that in front of your house is just unbelievable. And obviously, having the races there is, is an advantage for them. But what I thought was really interesting about the race itself is that none of those guys were anywhere close to Kriegmeier in the tw- in the first 20 seconds, which is, I mean, Foyt was about, I don't know, half an hour behind until he... Until he started seven, that first split, <laughs> yeah, I can't yeah. believe he was so far off him. How he got so far back but then, was but so then, impressive as well. No, but then if you look at him, if you look, you have to watch that replay because I thought it was like, 
I couldn't believe it. He literally just wouldn't stop and he would get quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker, like the more gates he was skiing. And I thought that was so fascinating to watch because you could see it very well on the television, just how incredibly talented he is to put get more speed or at least keep the speed he has when the others are struggling with like turns. He's mm-hmm. not always the cleanest guy, but he literally, he just rolls and rolls and rolls. I it is so effortless anything. though. Yeah, I didn't see anything from Creekmore specifically that was way quicker than anyone else. Edgy have done the old speed thing. What did he do that was so fast at the top that no one else could do? Because the other guys he's going up against, like Foyt, what? Paris, Creekmeyer, that uh, uh, Mike, Matthias Meyer, sorry, like all of those guys are normally fast right from the word go, and he took like I said, like seven tenths out of Foyt's in twenty seconds, which is outrageous. I mean, it's probably quite hard to see on the, on the television. I don't know. I didn't particularly see anything special as well. What I know about Kriegsmeier is that he's an incredibly good starter. Like, he is really, really quick. Um, and there is, like, the big first right footer. Mm-hmm. And he might have just cut the line closer than anyone else there. And Yeah, just- I, I think it was something to do with that. Like, he does, he does sort of take a bit of a, I don't know, tiger line, if you like, you know, he goes for it really straight off the gate. And even with those slower speeds on those long boards, he has some sort of uh, ability just to sort of cut it in quite tight. But other, you know, you just couldn't really, I found it quite hard to see because I did have a little look back at what was going on. But the fact that that Foyts was able to make up that much on something that, yes, we talked about the rollers being tricky, but they're not, like difficult not difficult if that makes sense you know it's not like a crazy section where you could easily mess up but when you get when you nail it like he did you just carry so much speed just the timing of the guy the release of the ski the sort of transition moving forward and getting the the pressure so cleanly so early it is insane insanely good um i did want to bring something up before uh, that's been sort of circulating a little bit on social media classic but is is the the start numbers for downhill or for speed? But it's sort of more applicable to downhill. There's a uh, there's a stat here, Mr. Statman. You'll enjoy this. Um, so Brian Stemmel, who's an ex Canadian uh, Olympic downhiller, also works over on uh, on TV commentating. Uh, he has pulled up some stats. Average start number for downhill winners: 2018 is nine point six. Uh, 2019, 6.6. 2020 is Bib 10. And 2021 is 8, if you exclude uh, Martin uh, Charter, who obviously sort of skews that slightly with that that uh, early race, you know, victory from Bib 41 or whatever it was. So I think we've all mentioned it when we've been talking about it on our WhatsApp group, how the race is done so early in downhill super G it was a breath of fresh air to be pushing as far as it did, but that tends to be sort of similar. What do you guys think about that? Do you think that's a, an issue that you guys have thought about and what can we do about it? Cause I do think, you know, you can't have the race done within sort of 20 minutes of it starting, especially for fizz in terms of TV. That's why technical disciplines have two runs. You have to come back and watch it later. You're just doing it in one run. It's it's it's, do, it's over in no time. Uh, but no, it's not good. It's not good for the sport as a whole because if you want people to watch up to number forty, you have to believe that number forty has a chance of winning. Whereas, like you said, most downhills this season, you're like once you're outside the top ten, unless someone's got a really dodgy draw, it's basically 
you, you might get one outsider on the podium, but that's it. Um, what they can do about it, I, d- I don't really know. Didn't they used to have the start order a bit different where the second or third group went yeah, they, in the yeah. first seven and then the it was like the best were like 18 to 24 or something like that? Yeah, so they split it into sort of sevens almost, or you know, sevens and eights. So yeah, that the, the best group was between, was that sort of third portion of the start list and then the second group was earlier. So you did watch a bit later. You still had, you know, the sort of 23 to to uh, 30 wasn't necessarily the quicker it sort of was the fourth group of the lot if you like just but um i mean it worked but then you got a load of moaning because the piece weren't as good so you know and the best of the best one the best piece marcel what do you what do you make of it i mean i'm personally i i hate this rule like it's i think it's stupid like honestly it's stupid because why would you put the first couple of guys in the first eight people like i mean this doesn't make any sense right and like who watch i i sometimes turn it off because i'm it, it's just done like I, it, it sounds really bad but it's true yeah i mean i only i only watch a bit longer because of this you know what i mean like <laughs> no exactly 10, most of the time it's done <laughs> no and it, it's, it has nothing to do with the other guys like but at least until bit 30 it should be interesting and then they were like i can't remember how many rule changes they had but they had about 120 rule changes uh, in like the last 20 years I remember one time they tried to have a qualification in the training run and yeah. then doing the reverse order or something like that. So the the 30th from training went first, etc. Yeah. Then you had loads of game playing, didn't you? Exactly, like Bodie Miller. He was just like playing some games because he didn't want to go first in, in Bormio. Yeah. And yeah, he didn't, went, he like, tur- didn't he like miss the bib draw, which meant he started 31st instead of like yeah, having to like play the, the game? Because the weather and stuff. And like, it's just, you know what? You never get it right for everyone. But I feel like... I think you have to maybe overlook the moaning in this case of the best athletes and just be like, well, you, who cares? Like you just going to start between 30 and, and 20, somewhere around there. Because I mean, the other guys trying to get in as well and the better guys are quicker. So give the other ones a bit of a chance, you know? Yeah, and they get all the best stuff anyway. They get all the best skis. They get all the best, you know, exactly. training stuff. So maybe, maybe that's a way of... Or maybe just mix them all up. Just all random from one to 60. Just make it a bit more spicy then. I'm getting my bib back on. I'm coming out for time. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Ben? Now that you froze on your uh, oh, internet, Ed, how how? Yeah, I was gonna say you guys were frozen on mine. Then. Um, how uh, how hard is it after twenty people have been down in a downhill? Are well, the lines depends, that similar? It's it sort of depends where you are. So I always sort of look back at Vengen. As a, as a big example, because you've got two and a half minute intervals for the for the top guys. So, you know, you'll start the, the best guys maybe start at 10, half 10. I can't remember. I can't remember exactly the start time. But, you, you know, you're starting 40, like two hours after after the first guy. So in Vengen, the top section that beats in the sun, you you could be the best guy in the world and you would never be as quick because the snow's got crap. So it makes a big difference when, because because of the start intervals. So it takes so long for it to happen. And, and, you know, we've seen how different the snow conditions are these days in terms of, you know, it's a little bit warmer and the snow doesn't last quite as long as it maybe historically did, but it, it, I think it's really difficult, but I think you kind of, Marcel's right. You have to just get on with it. And, and I, I actually have a great idea. Sorry. that just came through my mind. Um, so I have an idea when the, the team captain's meeting is on the day before you usually get like the weather forecast etc and they well hopefully rather accurate so if you have from zero to 10 degrees 
you just keep it normal as it is. If you go into the minus degrees, you switch the, you switch the rules and then you do it like a bit more fair for the other guys as well. I think that would be actually something they should consider, like just being like a bit more audible ready because they like to change the rules from races and yeah, they check, they like to change anyway. The rules so it doesn't last matter. minute. Yeah, exactly. I like that. But you, you could try. You could try. I mean, just give it a go. I mean, what what's going to happen? I, uh, I would definitely get a kind of meteorologist consultant position in that case. Everyone would be turning up to the managers <laughs> meeting with their own weather forecast. Says, well, my guy says it's going to be no. minus ten tomorrow. The, the guy who is doing the weather forecast, he will be. Oh my god, he probably will be shot with a gun at some stage. <laughs> yeah, I was going to go down a different road uh, to, to follow on Ed's point. Uh, uh, basically saying Ed complained about start intervals so what you're saying Ed is you want 30 second intervals down Bengen and just like rapid fire Whoa, imagine. <laughs> and just have once about he... rather than rather than like two or three yellow flag zones you've got like 10 yeah um, once he hits your just... hinge off the next person can go get on with it no that is you know that's legit it makes it much more difficult I think in terms of when you're trying to do everything for TV but then the time difference is yeah it's not easy that's for sure but they so. have to think about a rule because this is not this is not much fun actually. No, uh, uh, it does. I would rather them go back to how they used to do it and and just the guys get on with it. You still had the best guys winning, didn't you? You know, Herman Meyer was still the best guy when when he won the downhill tour title, or so I was mean, Kilder Steph, or Kuz or whatever. had like the has the record on in Kitzbühel with his run with Bib twenty eight or whatever he had. I think so. There's definitely a chance of winning. It's just whether the top athletes they obviously they complain about it because they want to have like some nice smooth tracks as well but that's why they're the best guys so they should have a bit of a disadvantage yeah i think so on the plus side at least there was one person from like outside the top 30 making it interesting for the downhill uh the american eric uh arvidson uh, had an absolute flyer into eighth place so only 1.3 off going down in the 30s that's not too bad Good on him. I mean, he was, a, I think he was a world junior world champion a couple of years back. So let's hope this was like the race that he, he finally can, can break through. Right. Um, and, and you need one of those races. And I, I think he was actually looked, I checked his, his, his running. It was, it was pretty good. Yeah. I thought he was he obviously skied really well. Yeah. And that might be the sort of breakthrough. I mean, he's going to be somebody that wished the season was more than one more downhill long. <laughs> Well, for him, it's not really because he's not going to ski the finals. That's true. Yeah, exactly. So no more downhills for him. He's <laughs> always next year. Yeah, exactly. Gives him, uh, as we already said, gives him a bit of fire going into next time. Shall we take a quick look at what we're to expect uh, next next weekend? So the ladies race double slalom in RA. They're racing Friday and Saturday, whilst the men are in Kranzkogora on Saturday and Sunday, so that's uh, GS Slalom. Unless they decide to just swap it around like they did with the women's. Yeah, exactly. I, I believe the Friday is a night slalom on the Fizz profile and the Saturday is a day slalom, so I didn't really think that you were allowed to do that in terms of a, a night into a day. Well, uh, after that 15, top 15 switch, like they can do whatever they want. We they know what they, they want. Have, they have now the rules. It's their own rule book. I think <laughs> I wrote it for them. <laughs> it's, it's, this is more it's, confusing than the predictions league. It's it's uh, Waldner and what what's um the the the, the chief race officer called for the women's? Oh um, yeah, I know the guy you mean. I can't think of his name. I think they're calling each other just to be like, hey, 
what shall we do today to spice it up a bit? <laughs> oh, let's switch some rules. <laughs> Just chucking in rules left, right and centre. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds about right. So, Marcel, would you like to kick us off for a little cheeky prediction? I go the with f- Pintero winning the GS. Well, no, we're doing women first. Oh, Just fuck. chill out. <laughs> <laughs> so who do, I, who do I want to jinx the least? Uh, <laughs> or the most? Yeah, exactly. No, I'm joking. Now it's um, getting really tactical. I'm going to think always, it's very tricky there because it's always very different snow. So they wouldn't, they wouldn't have, had, have had that this year. So I go with, I go with Schifrin. She likes Aura. Well, okay, so you, you can go Schifrin. Um, ben, why don't you take us on next? For Slalom 1, uh, I'm going to stick with Leansberger and she's not going to let me down this week. Okay, the, which, which basically leaves me with Lahova. Which I know pressure's on. I think she's going to have to have to work incredibly hard to to uh, pick up some big points. So I expect her her to do it. Maybe they'll send some Slovakians in to help her out. <laughs> are, they, are, they, are they have like a, a training cooperation? The the Slovakians in the Swedes. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> I'm going to to let Ben go first in the second slalom. Uh, I'm gonna yeah let's let's save Lahova for the second one. She needs two wins, so let's let's see if she can get them. Then I'm going to I'm gonna go Schifrin in the other one. Which means unless Marcel wants to go with Holdner, he's got to pick an Austrian. No, I'll hold. I I wait for Holdner for the last race. I think that's when she that's when she. World Cup finals win. You reckon? World Cup finals win. Um, well, I go for Leinsberger. Let's give it another go. See if she can see if she can get it done in World Cup this time. Fair she enough. will be. Okay, on to the men's GS. Uh, who oh, wants to my go? My go, my go. First? No, I went last now, so I can go first. <laughs> so, uh, ben, did you say you wanted to go with Pintero? <laughs> no, I go with Pintero. No, I've, already, I've already written it down for myself. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Ben, would you like to go? Would you like to go second? Yeah, let's go. Let's just just tie it all up. Let's go Odomat. Let's just go full head to head. Okay. Oh, do I go for Zubchich or do I go for Fev? He's the hot hand right now. I know it? that's <laughs> the thing. I would definitely pick Zubchich, but I feel like I don't know. Do I want to? Do I risk him? What was the last GS? It was Bansko. That was quite a tough. That's quite a tough GS hill. You, you're giving me Zubchich. a funny face there, Marcel. No. Well, they, they won one each, there, didn't they? Well, didn't Zubchich win the first day. Harder. It's harder. I'm going to go Zubchich, yeah, because it's uh, there may be some Croatians that are going to sneak over and help him out. Go again. You you go first. Uh, oh, and then on. So then, yeah, the final race is going to be slalom, which I feel like men's slalom, if you pick the winner, you should get like 100 points because it's so difficult to pick a men's winner. I go. Did you know that Zenhuizen is in second in the standings? He can still uh, win it. Barely. Schwartz is going to need to bail a couple of times for yeah, Zenhuizen so to take it. I was going to say Schwartz, but I think actually he may be skiing for a finish because he's just he's got to pick up just a couple a couple of cheeky points maybe. Or oh, I'm very tempted to say Henrik, but I'm not going to. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna actually. I'm gonna go with Schwartz. I feel like even if he's skiing conservatively, I might pick up a point. <laughs> Christopher might win to just to spite you at this point. <laughs> yeah. uh, ben, Ben, you go. Marcel, you go. You can wait. 
Um, he's let me down a few times recently, but I think uh, he's, he's going with nobody. So Ben, well. ben picked Ben picked nobody with that internet. <laughs> <laughs> Come on then, Ben. You have to go again. We missed you. Oh no! Okay. Did you give it's us some reasoning, or did you just fancy it? Uh, I said he's let me down loads, but I fancy he's going to set it straight this time. Okay. Marcel, are you picking Pintero for a double? Oh, or you... Give me the double. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, do you know what, Marcel? I can't work out if you genuinely, like, impartially believe that or if it's just, you know, you with your, your Pintero flags out think that he's going to, they can walk on water. Well, someone must be his good job. Well, no, 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 I'm not saying anything. Eddie, <laughs> um, have you heard anything from Dave about how his back's holding up post-world champs? Uh, Is it in one piece, two pieces? Two I think pieces? it's in a few pieces, but I think it's been <laughs> welded back together. He's He's been using his Zimmer frame, but then he is pretty old. So he's probably he's probably okay. No, I did add a little chat to him. Uh, he seems in good spirits. I think that, you know, he's going to muscle his way through. Um you know, he's, doing, he's considering he had a, a sore back at uh, World Champs and he was skiing as quickly as he was, you know, I'll take a bad back and, and ski that quickly, to be fair. Yeah, he's the 11th in the standings at the moment, so it'd be really good if he could finish the season off strongly. So he's got those those two races left. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, be, I, I, I hope we can see some, some fireworks from Dave and... He's been skiing really well this season and I kind of want that world champs run to carry on. Yeah. And and the other boys will obviously be there, I believe. Their plans, they're both planning, Laurie and uh, Billy are both planning on attending. So let's hope we sneak a second, at least a second into that second run. Um, but yeah, that should be a good race. As long as, again, it all comes down to the weather, doesn't it? Something like Kranzgogora, you get warm weather and down there and, uh, and it, it turns into a bit of a, a bib draw, but let's hope that we get some rock hard piece because that place, when it's solid, is brilliant, isn't it? Funny you should mention weather. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, the, the the forecast is is rain slash snow for Saturday and Sunday. Oof, rain slash snow. Yeah, that's almost I mean, worse. It needs to be rain, and then you consult it, or it needs to be snow, so it's you know cold. <laughs> Yeah, the temperature, those you reckon, is like highs of seven and eight for both days, which is a bit, yeah, a bit worrying. Oy. But hopefully they can get the cold overnight, get it solid, and then just rapid fire the race. Yeah, let's hope. Uh, gentlemen, anything to add before we leave these good people? Get your picks in. Don't forget. Don't forget to get your picks in. Don't forget. Time is time's getting close. Jamie Aldridge is still catchable at the top. Um, and Marcel... Me and Ben are coming for you. I'm going to take him down his throne. <laughs> you, you're, we, we are not able to catch him, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> right. Well if, you, well, if we win all the races, just to stay there quickly, there's still quite a lot to go. Yeah, there's a lot of points to go. But you, Five, six, seven. We've had quite a lot 14 of 14 races. How many? 14. Yeah, well, we've had a lot more than that going on and we're still doing rubbish. That's... Well, you can always turn it around. The positive mental attitude, Marcel. I like it. <laughs> right. Cheers, boys. Uh, and until next time. Bye for now. <laughs>